Welcome to the Idea Fit Business Success Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. A brand is a class of good identified by name as a product of a single firm or manufacturer. Having a specific brand identity allows a company to immediately communicate the value of using a particular good or service. When we think about that package that absolutely positively has to be there overnight, what service do we think of? We immediately think of FedEx because they created that category. Likewise, if you think about a self-adhesive bandage to cover a cut or a scratch on your body, you probably think of a Band-Aid brand bandage. That's a specific brand created by Johnson & Johnson. When you think of luxury service or a high-end customer service experience, you could think of Ritz-Carlton Hotels or the Nordstrom department store. Both organizations go to great lengths to create the ultimate customer service experience. Yes, they may cost a little bit more, but consumers immediately know what to expect when they walk into a Nordstrom department store or the level of service that a Ritz-Carlton hotel will provide. Taking the time to create a unique brand for the type of service that you provide as a fitness professional can help you to clearly communicate the benefits of your programs to potential consumers. Having an easily recognizable brand identity can be the most effective way to market your services to potential clients. On this episode of The Empowered Entrepreneur, Sergeant Ken Weikert, the 2016 IDEA Group Fitness Instructor of the Year and the creator of the Start Outdoor Boot Camp program, shares how he created his brand of fitness and how he uses that to promote both his workouts and education for becoming a fitness boot camp instructor. In addition, Sergeant Ken talks about how he went from being an instructor helping people get in shape to an international presenter delivering education workshops all over the world. On that note, if you've ever wondered how you can become a master trainer, in a bonus segment, Justin Russ, a strength coach for the IMG Academy in Florida and an educator for both TRX and PowerPlate, talks about how he got his start as a master trainer. Justin offers his suggestions for how you can harness your passion for fitness into a new career path teaching workshops and speaking at conferences. If you are looking for some new ideas on how to market your services, or if you've ever wondered how to become a master trainer, you won't want to miss this episode of the Idea Fit Business Success Empowered Entrepreneur. I'm Pete McCall for Idea the Empowered Entrepreneur. I'm here today with Sergeant Ken. We're going to talk about branding. So, Sarge. Mm. Can you give us a little background about how you got into fitness, how you made the transition from military to fitness? Well, let's see how far we can go back. I guess ever since the age of six, all I knew how to do was throw an American football. Uh, that was the first time I uh, held one. I remember my dad uh, was at a barbecue pit. You see, it was during the days when we did block parties. You know, they, people don't know about that anymore. Most of, <laughs> most of the community of fitness is done inside their phone. And, you know, and as Dr. Samir Kusni, who's a magazine consultant, says, uh, we live in a world of isolated connectivity. Everyone wants to be connected, but they feel safe to be isolated behind their own screen. And when they finally get in front of another human being, they sometimes act a little socially retarded. So I miss the days of community 
and I miss those block parties. And I remember my dad was flipping burgers and drinking beers, and my mom was about 20 feet away at the picnic table, sipping iced tea with some moms and dads. And you know, the kids were in this open field between a couple of houses, just doing what kids do, you know, just getting crazy playing tag. And now I don't know what my dad was thinking. I never held a football before. He hasn't given me the chance to hold a football yet. Maybe it was the fifth beer surging in his veins, giving him some confidence, but he screams, hey son, yeah dad, and he throws it as hard as he could. Now, I don't remember the perfect throw. I remember my mom getting up and knocking down everyone's iced tea and saying, no, he's just a baby, and I'm looking in the air and I, I see it soaring and I boom, caught it with one arm. Now, my dad's automatically saying, <laughs> scholarship, right? But the smartest thing he ever did is the next day he signed me up for my first sporting activity. And that coach became my first mentor outside of my family. And every time I got good, he would put me on a team that was tougher with a better coach. And, and as I progressed, those mentors shaped me into who I am today. And it became the, the foundation of what I do when I teach people. And as I was trying to create a brand for this boot camp experience, I was teaching in my very first class at a 24-hour fitness in 1997 during the days of step. There wasn't even a boot camp. There's nothing like it. And it was downtown, 24-hour fitness. And at the end of this of the very first class where we had three news crews and, and uh, the National Guard color guard dipping the flag before the class. But at the end of it all, after all of the sweating and the fun, the cadence calls and everything, they said, well, what's your name? I said, well, my name is Sergeant Ken Weikert. And they go, Sergeant Ken Wick, whack, whack. And I heard all these different versions of my last name. And then some girl in the back said, Sergeant Ken. Okay, well, that's gonna stick even though it started as a joke, because the military never uses first names, they use their last names, a rank and last name, it made sense. Because this was supposed to be the bridge between what we do in the military and what we do as civilians, the bridge between the two. How are we gonna use the dimension of physical fitness and emotional and social fitness and boot camp to bridge those two worlds together? And so it should be on a first name basis because it's more personal through those, you know, those divisions of fitness. And so when I was looking at trying to create this brand, you know, uh, I said that, okay, we're, we're gonna go through this, uh, we're gonna create this image, and then my first logo was a set of dog tags. And I remember in 1998, when people you know, accomplished a certain time period in a fitness test in my boot camp, they were awarded a set of dog tags, and that became part of the brand, earn your dog tags. Then my wife, who came along, um, um, you know, halfway into my career when I met her, and she has an undergraduate degree in branding and a, an MBA, and so she said, "Well, wait a minute, we need to go a step further with this." And she actually took a a, a, a cartoon drawing of me and used it as the A in Start in Start Fitness, and Start is an acronym that stands for Strategic Army Training. And because uh, you know the military, we all use acronyms. And she then uh, went and also kept it legal, so there wouldn't be any uh, uh, competition uh, in the same area. So she took the name Sergeant Ken, and she had it legally trademarked. So now I have not the TM, but I have the circled R. 
So it is his registered trademark. So there'll never be another Sergeant Ken, but there could be plenty of people to live, um, to live in that same category. Well, what's the, and what's the benefit of having a brand? Because you know, I want to I'll talk to you a little bit about boot camp in a mm -hmm. second, but mm -hmm. in your mind, in your experience, what's the benefit of having a brand in general? I mean, we just talked to, you know, we're, here we are, we're in Orlando, and we have Disney right out the window. You know, we're looking at the hotel out the mm -hmm. window. And when people think of Disney, they think of, you know, magical and memorable. They think mm -hmm. of instantaneous things. That's what a brand can do. What's been the benefit of you having, having your brand of, of Sergeant Ken for the type of fitness that you deliver? Well, immediately when you think of a unique and highly effective brand, you've got to consider that this is going to be what represents you for 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So when people look at the Nike symbol, they don't even need to see the word Nike. They understand what it looks and what it stands for. This uh, whatever tagline that they uh, associated with that particular uh, logo, it represents you know whether it was let's do it or whatever it was, it it resembled you know their brand identity, their vision of who they wanted to be. That their vision was to change lives. And I knew when when people wanted to look at the trademarked Sergeant Ken name and the that that logo of you know, the soldier just crossing his arms and, you know, barking commands, getting ready to correct people for gradual progression, variety, and precision. What they, those two little images alone by themselves, people got it. They got that, oh, this is going to be tough, exciting, invigorating, but it's also going to create the tribe within the platoon because people are now understanding that um, that it's it, it's more than just going. It's going to the gym. What was happening in the gym wasn't working, and so what they do is that brand needs to stand and represent all of those those attributes in your vision by itself. That's an interesting thing. And so when you did that, well, first of all, let's let's look at your military career. You, because mm -hmm. and if I'm wrong, I apologize. But you're National mm. Guard, right? On the National Guard. Right, which is a reserve status now. How's that different? So were you active duty? Mm-hmm. Oh, Zach, uh, out of my 30 years of total military service, I've got nearly 10 in active duty. I started out in the regular active duty Army and air defense artillery. I was a cryptologist, code breaker for uh, Patriot Missile st uh, Crew uh, member station. And we were deployed for Operation Desert Storm, and now I'm dating myself, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was my first stint at war. And then I came out and then transferred my status to reserve status under the Army National Guard and, and done several job skills since then. One that uh, uh, was the most thrilling was counterintelligence. Uh, I worked in as a, a special agent for the Army finding bad guys and weapons. That was my wartime job skill. My peacetime job skill was master fitness trainer and master resilience trainer. And for me to take this military brand and then have logo and image representations to represent that genuine spirit that I came from through 30 years of military service to what I do for civilians and military alike it, it, it had to have some authenticity. It had to stand by itself where you could look at the images, the logo, and, and you wouldn't even need the words. You wouldn't need the description that people get exactly what I stand for. Mm -hmm. You know, the looking at it, you know, what I've always respected the military for is that sense of camaraderie and cohesion. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. So when you look at the fitness training of what you go through in boot camp and when you go through that, as an instructor, I've never felt like I, I don't want to teach a boot camp class because I don't have that. I can't be authentic. I can teach a conditioning class, mm-hmm. but because I don't have that experience, I personally wouldn't feel comfortable calling it a boot camp because it represents so much more. It, to me in the military, Ken, going through boot camp with mm-hmm. your colleagues, with your comrades, with the people mm-hmm. you're going to be mm-hmm. in a pit mm-hmm. with, that what's that what's that cohesion how does that develop cohesion and how important what what role does that play in the military in the military culture you know in an essence of defining resilience there's only two things that can happen when you face adversity of any kind fall apart or bounce back and when you bounce back you don't bounce back to where you were before because what you go through you grow through your adversities are your advantages so instead of saying the word bounce back, I always say, use the term leap forward. So you can either fall apart or leap forward. And we know that the tests and trials that we get in the military are so severe, especially in wartime, they're so severe that the, the reward of going through that experience could also be greater. So in other words, your struggle today is your strength tomorrow. And so that's the reason why we pulled together because we've had such downs in our military lives that the the up, which which comes after the down, is so much greater because of how far we've come. Now, I, I respect your perspective about, you know, thinking that, you know, I could never teach a boot camp, but uh, I think that anyone, anyone who understands how to create a, a team-spirited program uh, de- deserves the opportunity to, um, to teach a, a boot camp program of any kind. Um, I, would, uh, I, would, I would say that you've really got to test them, though, and give them something that is, uh, is beyond their level of expertise so that they're always trying to um, grow each time they try. Uh, and then continue to keep the team spirit in every single exercise science program that you provide them. So I would say it's seventy percent psychology and thirty percent science. Interesting. And so with and that's one thing. I mean, when I look at conditioning class, what you call boot camp or conditioning class, when I look at that, how much of a role when you teach the same group over a period of time? Mm-hmm. How much cohesion? How much friendship and camaraderie and develop? Do people get closer mm, because uh, they go through physical adversity together? Yeah, so the boot camp that we have in San Francisco has been around two decades, and we still have five students who have been with us since we opened the doors in 1997. I mean, imagine that. And I asked them, I said, look, wh- why? And they've, uh, you know, all five of them have said, because we felt like we're part of a family. We felt like we're part of a, a greater good. And when they say that part, I understand. What they're saying is they're living th- th- uh, the military vicariously through their 60-minute boot camp session. And I get that part. But the family part, I really expand upon that. So a lot of times, like, for example, when we're doing some sort of athletic conditioning program, well, let's just say we're doing a jump squat well, you've got a work-to-rest ratio that you know you have to do as a scientist, right? You've got, the say, just for example, 60 seconds of jump squats. And then obviously, if you want a one-to-one ratio, that means 60 seconds rest. What we do is we make certain during the rest phase, they're coaching the other student. So no matter what, there's psychological output. We've got to have that the psychological output is always going to be 
100%, no matter what's going on with the athleticism. So while you're doing that jumping squat, I might have just finished my jumping squat, but I'm coaching you. And so now we've got the delegation of authority. The drill sergeant itself, the fitness drill sergeant itself, he's just walking around and being a facilitator and, and keeping time tracking and then, um, and then keeping everyone moving. And so instead of coaching, like when you're coaching for precision, when you go around the room coaching for precision, I don't even talk to the athletes. I talk to the coaches during their rest phase. Tell him he needs to stick his rear end back when he comes down to that bottom position and tell him to keep his chest high or something like that. And so then I give them the cues, they mimic the cues, and now I've just, I've walked away with uh, a confident and competent empowerment. That's pretty impressive. And so now you've, you've managed to recreate that and you teach like how to teach boot camp classes, correct? Is that part, correct. Of, that's part of the Sergeant Ken brand? Correct. And, and how long, I mean, how, is, how long is it taking you to kind of establish that? And what's really wow. worked for you in terms of establishing your brand? So the brand itself, okay, when it was just me, where I was the coach, they were the team, and I was just trying to figure out how this worked back in the late 90s. Uh, you know, there was no train-the-trainer certification, and uh, it, 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 I, I was using the dog tags, then it became the, the cartoon character of me as the image, and then the trademark name and all this other stuff, and the, all the mission statement, which was a representation of my vision, written in present tense, so that I could always have it as a compass in life. But then, in in 2005, I launched the very first instructor training program, but it took me six years to write it. I started in 1999, because I kept drafting it, drafting it, and then I talked to my military colleagues and, who were drill sergeants, and I said, would you train like this? And he said, yeah, 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 but what about this? And then I'd keep refining it, refining it. Then I went to ACE, American Council on Exercise, and then some of the other um, uh, exercise science institutions like National Academy of Sports Medicine and the rest of them, and I said, look, what do you think you should be looking for in a certificate course? What we call a certification, but of course we all know that the real certification is personal training or group fitness. It's a certificate course. What would you be looking for? And then that, then that would became part of some of the pillars that we would add to it. And then in the end, we had something that was still 70% psychology and 30% science. Because if you can't motivate them properly and captivate them, they won't do it when they're not in front of their fitness drill sergeant. So because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's very important. Now, on that note, and this is for people listening, you know, because mm. I think a lot of people maybe listen to this podcast can might have the same goal right. doing what you're doing. They have an idea for a program. Right. And sometimes, and this is what I've had to say, you know, I've worked with different colleagues before mm. in, in different things. People ask me to take a look at programs. How scary was it to start going out there? Well, talk about that fear factor. You know, being the first boot camp in San Francisco during the days of step and uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are a whole other ramifications with that. I guess. Yeah, I know. And uh, and and so uh, you know, you get everything from uh, I'm scared of you to uh, to the people who are the polar opposite that you know come in and they've got the stern look and they're trying to burn off some stress through your program uh, and me. And I had no idea whether civilians were going to take to this or not. I remain true to what I learned uh, through my military time and and uh, experiences in leadership schools and uh, just continued to show them. You see, in a nutshell, there's nine weeks and two days of basic combat training in the U.S. Army. The first two weeks are absolute hell. 
they break you down. And the following seven weeks and two days, they build you back up. So at the two-week mark is really where the civilian boot camp begins. People don't, I mean, people come there because they want to be there, not because they have to be there. So there's no reason to break them down. There's only reasons to build them up. Because what was happening in the gym wasn't working. So they're coming to you for some sweat equity and a big smile. So I believe in coaching rather than training. And people, I need to make certain that my brand identity, which was going to represent me 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, whether it was in the logo, the tagline, the images, everything had to be consistent, whether it was viral or in direct print marketing, all of it had to be consistent with knowing that they were coming in to be a part of a community of fitness and get coached for uh, complete success. And now, because and I think that, because that's, that's important to hear, and sometimes you just need to jump off and do it, right? I think a lot mm -hmm. of times somebody might have an idea for a program, I have an idea for a product, I have an idea for something I want to do. Right. But they spend time, and you talk about taking six years to develop that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you, when you do it, when you launch it, you know, what's been the biggest, like, what's been the biggest learning experience you've had in the process of having your thing, you know, having your, your, your brand of, of boot camp out there? Great question. I would say the biggest learning curve was being, having enough humility to reinvent yourself with the changing times. Okay. For example, the first logo being a set of dog tags. Okay, that was cool in the late 90s. I don't, I don't think people would wear their dog tags to work anymore, okay? It was cool back then, and who knows if it might come back, but it, we go through these wave patterns. So would that be the only logo? No, that was a good logo at the time. So if you can't think that whatever image that you have is the only thing, you've got to know that there, you got to be prepared for modifications and that would help represent you during changing times. Change equals growth. And so the biggest learning curve, again, was being able to have enough humility to reinvent myself and then modify those images and those um, brand, uh, p those pieces of brand identity uh, through changing times. Because I look at what, it, what was around in 1998 to what I'm doing now in 2018, and it's, it's, uh, it's very different and it's exciting. And my wife tells me that we're going to be making some other updates to our current brand right now because she says it needs a refresh. And so, again, that's the biggest learning curve, being able to have enough humility to reinvent yourself and make modifications with changing times. And recently, I'll ask you a question about, about your wife in a second because mm -hmm. I think you, know, you and I maybe share a common trait there. Mm -hmm. But recently, you know, not long ago, you were recognized as the Idea Group Fitness Instructor of the Year. What did that mean to you? Uh, thrilling. Uh, to get the title of Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year seemed to be, um, uh, seemed to be something that put everything together, that all of this hard work of traveling overseas and in the United States, leading uh, boot camp programming at conventions everywhere from SCW Fitness to Ideal World and CanFit Pro and wherever, um, seemed to be uh, the recognition of all that, of all the fruits of of my labors uh, between myself and my team. That 
people were seeing that it was working and then we were rec being recognized for our hard work. And, and, and I want because the other thing I want to talk to you about just real quickly, being a presenter, you know, I mean, being a presenter and you and I speak at a lot of the same shows, we speak yeah. at a lot of the same events. I think, you know, your, your bottom is shaped like a Delta seat. My bottom might be shaped like a United seat. You know, what is, what do you think is the benefit? What's been the biggest reward about making that transition from running a boot camp to going around and teaching instructors how to be successful instructors? John C. Maxwell says the moment that you put together any kind of uh, new program and you uh, assume a leadership position, you've got you to build a legacy right away. And a legacy is not what you leave for someone, but it's what you leave in someone. And so I knew I had to have an inner circle right away. And the moment, the moment that that train the trainer program was all put together, and I was confident and competent that I was going to work and it was CEC approved. And the brand representation was something that everyone was proud about. I immediately found people who were highly qualified that also shared the vision of changing lives and everything that we wrote in our personal and professional mission statement. And then people I trusted. That's who should be in your inner circle. Qualified, people that share your vision, that also you can trust. And as soon as I had those people on the team and all I had to do was mentor them. And then once I knew, so you see, saw that was working, I went around and started training people all across the world. And in the last five years of traveling, uh, I've trained and certified 4,100 bootcamp instructors in 34 countries. That's, that's amazing. And the thing, this just struck me, Ken, because you know, we've been doing this a while, mm -hmm. and and I think maybe some people that might be interested in presenting want to do it to kind of, you know, self-promotion. They're trying to promote themselves. But you keep talking about building up others. Right. And I'm just thinking about some of the other people that we work with, and that's a common trait because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're instructing, it's not about you. It's mm -hmm. about the, what you're helping other people do. So if people have a, if people want to be a presenter, if people are, are listening to this and you know, they want to start their brand. They want to create a program like you have mm -hmm. and get out there and teach others how to do it. You know, you talk about you talk about having a mission statement. What's really been kind of your driving force that's helped you kind of when the times have been tough and, and you're, you're tight, you don't want to take that next plane trip. You, you, know, you don't want to go to that next place. What's been your driving force that's helped you stay motivated? In the beginning, it was just me. And I didn't know until, you know, years later um, into the early 2000s, I didn't know um, that, uh, how important it was to build that legacy. Until I deployed to Operation Iraqi Freedom and I left on wedding night. Oh. Yeah, so didn't, <laughs> didn't have the honeymoon and in fact yeah. stayed so long as a, uh, a counterintelligence agent uh, that I missed the first year anniversary. But my wife knew how important it was for me to have something to come back to. So she, and she wasn't a certified trainer yet and she also didn't know how to run a business, but I gave her power of attorney and told her to shut down the business, but instead she kept it alive. She shared the vision. She's someone I obviously trust. She became certified. And then when I came back later, I, I said, wow, look at this thriving business. It wasn't a surviving business. It was a thriving business because she poured her heart into it. So, and I taught, uh, a class that very next day, 
uh, I gave everything I had. And I remember at the end of the class, two girls were walking up to me as I was grabbing my iPod. And I'm thinking in my head voice, my head voice says, oh, they're going to tell me how good the class was. And then when they opened their lips, they said, hey, Sergeant Ken, that was a pretty good class, but where's Stephanie? <laughs> so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm a chump, right? But no, my heart voice then came to the surface and said, guess what? Now it's duplicatable. Nice. You can't do it alone. If you think you're the only one that can do what you do, it will hit the ceiling and it'll never grow beyond that. The moment that I realized when I came back in 2004, when I realized uh, coming back from Iraq and my wife was able to have a thriving business and that she was able to teach with the same attributes and the same vision and have it growing, all I had to do then was just say, okay, Let's, let's finish this train the trainer program and let's build this legacy. And now 4,100 certified instructors in 40, uh, excuse me, in 34 countries. It's, it's an amazing thing to see what they are doing in their own community. And, and, and finally, I'm very fortunate to have married a woman who not only do I love, but is very good about telling me when I might be doing something incorrect. You know, mm -hmm. she's very good at helping me keep my head on straight and helping me keep my head Amen. on the right size and in check. How important is that to have that in a partner? Because I know you and Stephanie are extremely close, as you should be, but mm -hmm. what role has she played? It sounds like she's been instrumental in helping you to achieve this level of success. Well, it's exactly like you said, Pete. Uh, she's kept me grounded when I've uh, decided to maybe run with a lot less structure at times and, and where she's come in to provide that keen insight from uh, uh, from a person who is now uh, the president of the company to uh, to someone that was just an assistant before that, um, uh, she's earned her mark. Uh, and uh, beyond keeping it grounded, since we both share the same vision, uh, I also respect her talents and experience. Uh, I don't have a degree in, in brand identity and, and marketing, um, and I don't have an MBA. Um, uh, so I know to respect what she's bringing to the table, and then we have a mutual understanding of, of, um, of trying to change the world one community at a time. So it's been an incredible teamwork. It's, it's incredible to look at the last... Um, 15 plus years of marriage and 18 years of knowing her where she's been involved in the business since the, since then and uh, to see how the business has grown through our teamwork now you lead a resiliency group let's wrap up with this what, what sure. is the resilient what is resiliency and, and what do you do with your resiliency group so I served as the lead life coach for the suicide prevention task force for the Tennessee Army National Guard and um, uh, they're their way of being the first line of defense for people who are clinically depressed uh, was to send soldiers to the University of Pennsylvania School of Positive Psychology to learn Dr. Martin Seligman's pioneering work of resiliency, which is, we've really seen now, life coaching has gone off in three Directions you've got clinical psychology, you know your marriage and family counselors. There, I, I look at that as the last line of defense, and it's important to have it. Those psychological health counselors, very important to have it. 
Tony Robbins made strategic intervention very popular, where it's, it's high risk, could be high yield, could be high failure. But he leverages the energy of the crowd to really do these visualization techniques when people are at their very end. Um, he's very good at it. He made it very popular. Then there's a newest phase, which resiliency, where we, instead of looking at the world and trying to find the diseased ones, like the people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, well, post-traumatic stress disorder is a result of having a traumatic experience that's happened in your life. Well, I don't think anyone's immune from that. We've all had trauma in our life, all of us. Everyone, everyone, civilian or military alike. So if we've all had traumatic experiences in our life, that means we all have post-traumatic stress disorder. So instead of looking for the people who are disease, we look at everyone as having the same condition. And so if you look at it in that perspective, you don't think that you're ill. And if you don't think that you're ill, then you can focus on healing and happiness. So that's where you could say we all have stress in our lives. It's normal. So how can we turn that stress into strength and those obstacles into an opportunity? That's resilience. It's the first line of defense. It's you being able to look at everything that's around you and saying, my adversities, my adversities are my advantages. It sucked, I know it sucked. And there's time to mourn when, and when we need to mourn. But I tell you what, in the end, I'm not falling apart. I'm gonna be higher when this is over. That's, I mean, that sounds powerful, I appreciate it. So Ken, any advice for people coming up, any advice for people looking to create and promote their own brand of fitness? I would say, first, find some friends that have successful brands of their own. Mentor with them. Get their, get their opinions, their professional constructive criticism, not destructive criticism. Avoid the people who have destructive criticism, the ones that bring you down, and you know who they are. Find the people who have constructive criticism that are going to be able to take your materials safely with the, an understanding of your protection of your own IP, your intellectual properties, and then give you constructive criticism about um, where they would see it. Because it needs to represent everything that you do and your vision of the why and who and what you are. And if you know the why, the way will be easy. I like that. And if people want to find more information about you and mm -hmm. what you're doing, how can they do that? What are your tags? What's your website? It, really simple. Just go to sergeantken.com. That's S-G-T-K-E-N.com. And of course, on Instagram, it would be S-G-T-K-E-N-N-W. Uh, so it's Sergeant Ken W. Uh, because... Uh, you know, that you have to spell it out and get the first letter of the last name. So Sergeant Ken W, both on Instagram and on Facebook. And uh, reach out to me at any time. I'm, I'm very approachable. 4,100 certified instructors. I've been able to keep up with them through social media all across the world uh, all the time. I just heard from uh, a, a colleague of mine in the Philippines who I've been mentoring to be on my level three master level program, which is launching this year. And, um, and a couple of people in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia that I had just left and trained uh, who are really changing the way females are doing fitness in the Middle East. Oh, that's important. And yes. I, I know it's a growing market. The Middle East is a growing market. It is. It's kind of ironic to be going back there now and, and doing what you're doing. Uh, it's, been, it's, <laughs> it's been a thrill. I really thrill. Well, thank you for your time, Ken. I appreciate it. That was an interesting and extremely informative conversation. 
Ken has done a terrific job of establishing his brand of fitness. And as you heard, he's traveled around the world and educated 4,000 fitness instructors on how to deliver his brand of boot camps. Now for a quick bonus segment on this episode of The Empowered Entrepreneur. If you've ever wondered how you can become a master trainer or presenter, teaching workshops, and speaking at various fitness conferences, then you'll want to listen closely and take notes. Justin Russ is a strength coach at IMG Academy, a premier sports training facility in Florida. In addition, he is also a master trainer for brands such as Triggerpoint, TRX, and Powerplate. Justin shares how he went from being a trainer to strength coach and now presenter and educator in a brief period of time. If you've been thinking about taking that step in your career, then you'll get some great ideas by listening to our conversation. I'm Pete McCall at Idea Personal Trainer Institute East. I'm here with Justin Russ. Justin, give us a little background about what you do. Um, so I grew up in Buffalo, New York. Um, I always wanted to get into the fitness industry um, as I grew up. Um, so I went into college as an exercise science major. Um, and, I, and from there, I kind of realized that I wanted to work with, um, with the athletic population. Um, so towards the end of college, I got an internship with Todd Durkin out in San Diego. Um, and in preparation for that internship, I took uh, some TRX education. Um, interned for Todd Durkin, made a ton of different connections out there. And now I am working at the IMG Academy, where I've been for four years. I'm the head strength and conditioning coach for the tennis players at IMG, in addition to being a master trainer for TRX, Trigger Point, and Power Plate. And that's, see, that's the interesting thing for, for listeners. I've known Ju- Justin for a while. How did you make that transition? Because what I want to ask you about is how you made the transition from being a trainer to getting into education. What was your first break, and how did that happen? Um, I think the first thing that I always tell people is to just ask for what you want. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of a funny story. I mean, when I was preparing for the, the Durkin internship in San Diego, I took a TRX course in Cleveland, Ohio with Shauna Martin. And I remember just looking at her and being like, dude, this girl has the coolest job ever. Um, and then it just happened where I was able to meet Randy Hetrick in San Diego when I was with Durkin. And I kind of just blurted out the question. I said, Hey, like, how can I work for you? How can I become involved in this? And, you know, he gave me his business card, told me to email him and, and I was thinking, oh, man, you know, it's the same thing that's going to happen when I, when I get a girl's number. I'm just going to email. I'm not going to hear anything back. Um, but, but Randy got back to me in like 10 minutes, um, and I went through the process to becoming a, a TRX course instructor. And, and it's definitely had its, you know, kind of growing pains, and you, you definitely, you know, start to develop yourself as a, as a presenter, but, but more so a person. I think when you start at such a young age, you, 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 you really kind of learn the ropes, travel in the country, and, and teaching people who are much older than you. Um, but then I think from there, I think the fitness industry is a really, really small community. And you know, keeping your name and, and, and doing good work and continuing to networking and continuing to just ask for the things that you want, um, I think, are what is key to getting into education. Well, and, and that's why I wanted to ask you, Justin, because I met you. You were still a college student when we met, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. That was- and, and when did you graduate college, and, and how long have you been out of, out of college now? Um, so I graduated school in 2011. And yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride since then. Um, it's crazy to think that I've been presenting for TRX for for six years. But like I said, I think when you're when you're 22 and start traveling the country, um, you start to figure a lot of stuff out on your own. And and it and it's really kind of made me into a, a pretty well-rounded person, I think. Well, and that's exactly why I want to interview you because you, we met at one of the ACE symposiums when ACE was still doing that. And you were very, and like you said, you asked for what you want. You're very forward, but you're very uh, respectful. Like you weren't pushy. You're were one of these people that, you know, you email people from time to time. 
and you know, it was always, I mean, we stayed in touch. I don't know why, because I always tell that you were very interested in it. And so for people listening, you know, I want you to listen, I want, you know, I'm going to ask Justin to give us some advice. I want you to listen to it because early on he was able to establish a strong network in the industry by just getting out there, introducing himself and talking to people. So what worked for you? Like, what would be your advice to people who want to get into education? So I kind of had to give a little bit of credit to, uh, to my parents here because uh, my dad and my stepmom were always very much the type of people that were like, hey, make business cards for yourself, go out there, introduce yourself to people, and then like your job isn't done there. You have to follow up with these people via email. Um, so my thing was, hey, if I saw a session that I liked from somebody with the credentials that I aspired to have later on in my career, I want to go meet them. I want to find out what they're all about. I want to find out what advice they have for you know, getting into the strength and conditioning field or working with athletes or presenting. So I wanted to peep, uh, pick Pete McCall's brand. I wanted to, you know, listen to Fabio. I wanted to, you know, talk to all these other people in the industry that were at a certain level of success that I hope to one day achieve. And even, you know, even at a young age, you know, my parents would always kind of hound on me to send follow-up emails to these people because, you know, college was only going to be a temporary thing. You know, at some point I would have to figure out what I wanted to do and, and get into the working field. So always follow up. Don't be afraid to talk to people. I think, you know, oftentimes people put conference presenters up on a pedestal, but they're real people. And, and, and when we approach that and when we ask for what we want or advice or suggestions or business cards, um, it's a great way to develop uh, a network and a, and a strong foundation in the industry. It's great advice, man, because you're absolutely right on. That's why I wanted to, to get a hold of you, ask you this advice, because seeing you go from college to now, like you said, traveling around the country and around the world, you have a lot of information that now you can pass on to the people who want to do the same thing. So thanks for your time, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think, um, I think for anybody that's interested in doing it, just remember to pursue what you want, ask for what you want, because nobody knows what that is unless, uh, unless you go after it and get it. So good luck to everybody that's out there, and um, I hope to see you guys, uh, see you guys soon. As I promised, that was just a brief conversation. And I really wanted to have it because in talking with Ken, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask Ken was how he kind of evolved to be an international speaker. And also, I've known Justin for a number of years, and he has asked me for advice over the years. And he's just done a fabulous job of networking, introducing himself to people, asking for advice, asking for input. And I've watched him go from a college student to now being a speaker and educator. So, it made sense to me to reach out to him and say, hey, would you mind sharing how you did it? He's absolutely right. That's what worked for me. I introduced myself to people. I asked for advice and I told people what I wanted to do. So if your goal, if you want to become an educator, if you want to become a presenter, if you want to work for different fitness brands, you got to get out there. You have to make the first step. You have to make the best effort. There is no such thing as luck. Luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. I've seen Justin work his tail off and be prepared. So when opportunity presented itself, he stepped up and he took it. I'm Pete McCall. Thanks for stopping by this episode of the Idea Fit Biz Success Empowered Entrepreneur. We'll look forward to having you join us for future conversations.